Happy Sunday to you. Welcome into a special Labor Day edition of Sports Wrap. Nice to have you with us. Chris Brenwick with you. Um, You know, this is, I know there's a lot made about like the best time of year. Like people love that first week or that those first rounds of, of March Madness. And it is great. I, to me, there just isn't anything quite like the first week of college football, especially this year with some of the games that we were treated to. And, uh, you know, in the case of Stetson Bennett and, and the Georgia Bulldogs, um, look out. That team is going to be a problem yet again. But uh, locally, Michigan, Michigan State both get it done. Let's start with the team that played first. The Spartans played Friday. They beat Western 35-13, to 13. And, and I'm not so sure that the score, the final score, was really indicative of, of how close that game was. Western pulled within, what, eight points uh, in the fourth quarter? Um, I, Western gave them everything that they had. But in the end, Michigan State just has too much talent. And, and, and even guys like Peyton Thorne, who maybe had a kind of a ho-hum, mediocre game, um, that is still good enough against the Western Michigans of the world. No offense to my Bronco Bronco brethren, um, but Michigan State gets it done 35-13. Matt Charbonneau with the Detroit News, of course, always on top of the Spartans for you. He joins us this evening on Sports Wrap. Uh, Maddie, nice to have you with us. It was an electric atmosphere out in in East Lansing at Spartan Stadium or the Woodshed, whatever it's called these days. But uh, it was kind of stymied, I think, a little bit late in the first half when you had a couple of key players, particularly on defense, one of the transfers, Darius Snow, the junior linebacker in safety, Xavier Henderson, the fifth-year senior, they go out with injuries. Do you know the latest? Because it sounds like towards the end of that game, I think uh, Xavier Henderson had a boot on his right leg. Darius Snow didn't come out uh, again. What's the latest on, on those guys? Yeah, in terms of specifics with those guys, we're, we're, we're hoping maybe tomorrow to get a little more information. The problem is Mel Tucker is very, very tight-lipped on injuries. Um, sure. Usually the only time we'll get an update is if someone's out for the year. Um, the fear right now is Darius Snow might fall in that category only because he didn't come out for that second half. Uh, a couple of people said he was he had a brace on his leg and, you know, didn't. it seemed pretty down. Um Xavier Henderson, of course, was out on the sidelines, had a big brace on his leg, but seemed to be moving around. So it's tough to say. I mean, we saw the play where Darius Snow got hit by his own teammate, kind of hitting the knee or leg. So uh, I I would say it's up in the air right now. Um, So hopefully we get a little more idea on Monday, but, you know, lose either one of the guys, lose both those guys for an extended period of time. Uh, that's a significant thing for this defense, for sure. Yeah, let's maybe just operate under the assumption. It, let's not maybe get too conservative or too or too liberal with it. Let's just say it's a it's a six game thing for both of these guys. What long term ramifications does that mean for for the program overall, but but for the defense in particular if those guys are out for for a few weeks? Well, I think you know depth wise in terms of experience, Darius Snow at linebacker, they they, they probably. You know, they probably weathered that a little bit better just because of the numbers of guys they have there. Um, of course, guys like Jacoby Windman, Aaron Brule were playing more defensive end last night, but they, they are linebackers, can play linebacker. 
you know, Cal Halliday, Ben Van Summeren, guys played pretty well last night. So I think they can handle a little bit, although Darius Snow is a versatile guy, was a safety, can play a lot of places, and is, a, you know, one of their leaders back there. So it, it'll be a loss, but they can maybe absorb it a little better. You know, Xavier Henderson at safety, guys returning to that point are Kendall Brooks, who, who's a transfer last year, uh, Jaden Mangum, a true freshman, um, played a little bit Friday night. It'll be it'll be more interesting to see how they kind of make up for that loss, um, just because they haven't had a lot of other safeties play. Uh, you know, he and Andrew play more. Yeah, I, I thought Darius Snow uh, again until he got hurt. He was probably the most impactful player on defense, uh, say for for the defensive ends who had a really nice night. But but it just seemed like. We were always hearing Darius Snow's name, and, and again, it felt like for the first time um, it, it, this season, like, boy, maybe Mel Tucker did it again. Maybe he went back into the transfer portal and got a couple of guys that are that are going to be, you know, real contributors on this team. Um, based on your estimation from last night and what you saw, do you feel like th- th- they've at least uh, got a couple of guys from the portal that are going to be uh, real impact players for them going forward? Well, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, we talk about the defense, Jacoby Winman alone, uh, four sacks. Four sacks, uh, the four, crazy. Four of the seven sacks, the kid from UNLV. I mean, he was and he was a problem all night for Western Michigan, yep. whether he was getting to the quarterback or not. You know, Aaron Brule had one of them. Chris Bogle had one of the sacks. Those are all guys in from the portal. You look on the offense, your entire running attack were guys from the portal. Jalen Berger, Jarek Broussard, both looked really good at times. So, I mean, absolutely, I think the – Guys in the portal are going to have an impact again. Amir Speed is your starting corner on one side, and mm-hmm. you didn't hear much about him because if a corner's playing well, you usually don't hear a whole lot about him. So um, I, it may not be the sheer number of guys you saw last year. You might not have a Kenneth Walker winning national right. awards, but I think you clearly saw guys are going to have an impact, especially on that defense and the pass rush secondary. I mean, it was such a problem last year. Uh, and to see them get after the quarterback like that from – yeah, just back. from rushing four was a, was a big deal. What did you what did you make of the, the the offensive line? It felt like at times they were moving the line of scrimmage, they were imposing their will. At other times, it felt very uh, like a very timid group. Um, it, 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 it it for me, it feels like there's a lot of of room to grow as an offensive line. I guess will they is a, is a different question, but it certainly seemed like. There is a little something there for this offensive line to build off of that first that first outing. Yeah, I mean that's probably a good description. So you give it probably an average grade for the first game. Sure. There were moments they've. Having a little bit of, uh, yeah, uh, sorry, we were having a little bit of difficulty with your phone. Matt Charbonneau, the Detroit News, with us. Where, where do you think they kind of go from here then? The offensive line, I mean, you know, you might see a couple more young guys play next week against Akron. Perfect time for them against a team like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, you know, look, guys like Nick Samak, J.D. Duplain, I mean, they've been around a little bit. Um, Matt Carrick, especially. I mean, they're okay, you know, and I don't think they have to be great, but they need to be good, maybe a little more consistently better than they were Friday night. So, you know, it was still the first game for a lot of guys. So I, I, I think they're going to be all right. If they, The big question with that group is if you get injuries. The, the mm-hmm. depth is really the only issue. There's not a lot of experience in that depth. So that's maybe something we don't see until a few weeks in once they start dealing with that. So it, it, it's an okay group. They were okay Friday. 
they certainly can get better. We'll, we'll see where they go from here. Yeah, and, and look, I think when when you lose a guy like uh, like Jalen Naylor and you wonder how you replace him, well, you got some guys. Uh, uh, Keon Coleman uh, made some big plays. Uh, and then you you still got Jane Reed, who didn't have the greatest night. Uh, I think he only had what thirty some yards uh, on that on that one catch. But uh, again, game one, they're trying to find their identity, trying to figure some things out. Peyton Thorne will be just fine. Um, I thought it was a decent outing though for Michigan State. I, I expected a little more, um, but I think uh, you know they always talk about the 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 jump from week one. To week two, and you see the most improvement over that stretch of time. I certainly expect uh, the Spartans to take a big step going into week two against Akron. Uh, Maddie, always nice to talk with you. Thank you for your time uh, on this Labor Day weekend. Enjoy the rest of it. You got it. Thanks. Yep, there he is, Matt Charbonneau uh, with the Detroit News. Uh, he's got a pulse for all things Spartan football. Uh, so uh, we will uh, check in with him certainly as the season progresses. Uh, coming up next. We are at about 6.35-ish going to talk to Angelique Changelis at the Detroit News um, about the Michigan and Colorado State game and, and where we stand with Michigan because there are certainly question marks on that roster as well, particularly as it relates to Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. But next, I want to talk about playoff expansion, college football. We'll do that as Sports Wrap continues right here on WJR. All right, uh, before we get into... Uh, some of the college football stuff. I got to say, uh, it was a special day for us because uh, we took young Jake, four years old, to his first Tiger game today. And Jason, I have never yeah. experienced Comerica Park the way that I did today. Yeah, you were saying that. And, you know, the like you said earlier with the with the weather, uh, I've been at that stadium in 95-degree heat, and and that's no way to spend your first game. So even though it was gloomy for young Jake, at least it was a little more comfortable. It was, you know, uh, we found out Jake is not a fan of ponchos. <laughs> uh, we didn't know how what his stance. He was, he's, he is, um, he is, he is not about the poncho life. So uh, mental note there. Not, not many of us are. Um. I have never ridden the Ferris wheel at Comerica Park. That has now been checked off my list. Uh, I've never ridden the carousel at Comerica Park until today. Um, I had never purchased one of the foam paws until today. So, um, it, but it, you're right. It, uh, Comerica Park can be just a, it can be a, a brutal place when it's hot. And um, thankfully, there was none of that today. It was a little rain and it was a little uncomfortable. But once you sit down and let your pants absorb the water on the seats, uh, you don't know anything is going on. And so uh, we had a nice day. We Good on him, though. Uh, we got through the fifth inning. So we left at the top of the sixth, which was impressive. Tigers lose. Uh, also, a, a, a weird historic fact. My first game was at Comerica Park in 2000. Uh, against the Royals, and we lost. So the oh, Renwick wow. tradition continues. Apparently, so, my first my first game, Tiger Stadium. They lost to Oakland. This okay. was nineteen eighty eight. Okay, and uh, but I did get to see Daryl Evans hit a uh, home run over the uh, infamous uh, right field porch and That's into cool. the uh, auto lot across the street. Wow! And how old were you? <laughs> I was nine. Okay. Yeah. So that's a you you remember that vividly. I do. I remember. That's great. 
No, that's awesome. Um, here's what I here's what I will say. I, I think when you start looking at uh, you know it, it, taking these kids to their first games, you got to make it fun. So we tried to make it fun, do stuff for him. Uh, but uh, he was interested in the game, and he was you know uh, not. <laughs> for a lot of it. So it, we, we had a nice time. So uh, rain be darned. We had a nice time. Um, hey, you know, when you start looking at this weekend, again, it, it, to me is one of the greatest weekends in all of sports in, in, in the whole calendar, because it, it, it is just, there is just this thing about college football. It's hard to explain. There's just a buzz around it. And really, thought both of our local teams performed well. But right before uh, kickoff on Friday, uh, we were getting you ready for Michigan State Western uh, on Friday afternoon. It came out that the college football playoff board of commissioners, whatever they call themselves, met and voted unanimously to go to a 12-team playoff model by the year 2026, although they were basically calling on leagues, calling on teams and programs to just prepare themselves to have this ready in place by 2024. So we may be in the home stretch of the current four-team playoff. Now let me take you back to the BCS era. Dan Wetzel, uh, over at Yahoo Sports, wrote a book called Death to the BCS, probably my favorite book of all time, because it talked about the folly that was the BCS and and the greedy, money-hungry people that were in charge of the BCS and really were roadblocks into creating a real playoff model. And in the book... Wetzel laid out how you make a 16-team playoff and how you do that logistically, how you do that monetarily, and how everyone in the end benefits from that. Again, think March Madness, except college football. That is ridiculous. So what the proposition reads like is that of the 12 teams, the top four, Highest-ranked conference winners will get a bye. Then 5 through 12 will play everyone uh, that first week, and then you go into a normal kind of bracket system. And again, for me, I've been somebody, after reading that book by Wetzel, that I have been firm on a 16-team playoff. Um, I think it's the best way to go. I think you would just have a ton of excitement and you'd still have upsets in the postseason. Uh, I think it would be exhilarating, but a 12 team playoff. I'm okay with, I'm, I'm good. I was not excited about a 14 playoff. I wasn't excited when they thought maybe they were going to go to eight. I thought 12 was going to be the, the place where I was going to be. I was going to be okay with 12. So I'm okay with 12. I'm excited about 12 because th- this is going to be a complete, a completely different ball game. Um, and again, you look at Michigan and Michigan state, you know, Michigan, if this were in place over the last, I don't remember how many years, 
But Michigan would have made the playoff 50% of the time. Michigan State probably is in that same region, maybe even a little more. So, yes, it's very similar to, you know, it's it, Jason, think of it like Major League Baseball. It's very similar to, you know, a wild card or a play-in game, and you got to just get in and, and find a way. Um, and it, it feels a lot like that's where we're at is no, is it, it are the, are the, 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 the Cincinnati's going to win every year? No, but can they go in and make a little noise? Sure. And, and, and that only improves the product and improves the, 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 it improves. Here's what it really improves. It improves conference play because now you could absolutely get into the playoff with one loss maybe with two losses. If you're stacking your schedule with legit teams, then perhaps you're able to pad yourself a little bit. You know, Michigan, if they go out and run the table this year but lose to Ohio State, they're in the playoff. No, you don't win the Big Ten. East, no, you don't get a trip to Indy. But at least you've got some hope at the end of the year. And to me, that is a vastly different outlook on college football than we have now. Right. And if, if you're a Cincinnati at number four, you don't have to worry about going to face an Alabama um, and, and probably get drubbed. You, you have a chance, you know, to play uh, a few games, get some momentum behind you. And maybe you've got a shot that, that opens that it opens up that everybody's going to have a shot. I mean, cause injuries could happen too with other teams. So you Never know what can happen in, in a twelve team, and in the fourteen playoff, they really the, none of these games have been competitive. Now maybe that's just the way it's set up, but I think this will be a lot more exciting. Well, think of it too. Remember Western when they went undefeated last year, or a, a few years back. Um, right. They're in, they're into the playoff, despite getting blasted by Wisconsin. They're in the playoff, and I right. think that's that 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 it provides a different. But just a different vibe around college football. So I'm very excited about and, it. And another thing I thought of, too, when I heard the expansion, of course, we've been hearing it for years, but I I thought of, you know, the way things have been going in the last few years where players are opting out of the bowl games and, you know, in their senior. This, this, gives, a, this gives the seniors um, a reason to play mm-hmm. as opposed to, of course, the, you know, the, the ones that are going to the NFL um, – it would give them more of a reason to to play in these games. And I know the, that a lot of these bowl committees are saying, well, we want the best possible matchup on the field. Correct. So that'll that'll make it a lot a lot better this way. Well, and here's the other thing. And 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 that's the rosy outlook. Here's the the part that for me is a bummer. Because it feels like like I'm somebody who wants to punish Notre Dame. I want to punish Notre Dame for not joining a conference. I want to punish Notre Dame for going out and thinking that they're daddy Warbucks and able to bring in all this money because right. of, of the color of their helmets. No, 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 no. You're nobody special. And, and you're nobody special. You know how I know that is because your viewership is down on NBC. That's right. how I know. So I, I know that nobody really cares about you. That's not true. I'm being a, a little bit facetious, but I do believe that this benefits Notre Dame. This emboldens and empowers Notre Dame to not join a conference, to not jump on board with somebody. Because again, you look at USC and UCLA, they're going to be making 80 to a hundred million dollars per year when they hop in the big 10 
thanks to that $7 million or $7 billion uh, TV rights deal. Right. Notre Dame could hop in too, but instead they won't because this only emboldens Notre Dame. Oh, and look at that. Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletic director, is on the playoff committee. Ah, go figure. <laughs> who would have thought, who would have saw that coming? <laughs> um, all right, coming up next, I want to talk a little Michigan. Because Michigan looked pretty good yesterday. Yes, Colorado State stinks. Yes, they are an inferior team. But still a lot of storylines there. We'll talk about that as we continue. We'll also take a look around college football and preview the Lions next week, game one against the Eagles here in Detroit. That's next as WJR continues. You got to hit the button, Danielle. You got to hit it. Thank you. Um, So Michigan gets it done yesterday against Colorado State. I don't know, 51 to, to 7, whatever it is. And, you know, here's what I, here's what I take away from that game is this team's going to be just fine. And and yes, uh, are they still trying to find an identity? Are they still going to be the ground and pound team that they were last year? Um, yeah, probably, but they got a ton of weapons on the outside. I don't know that any receiver caught more than two passes. So you're talking about really spreading the ball around. Roman Wilson had two catches. Uh, Colston Loveland, and you're saying who? Yeah, he had two catches. That was it. Um, Roman Wilson led the way with that 65-yard or or that long touchdown uh, catch. Um, But he had two receptions for 65 yards. They were really able to spread the ball around whether it was Cade, whether it was JJ, whether it was Alan Bowman, they were able to get the ball to different playmakers. And I think that was really important. Um, but Angelique Shangalis with the Detroit News, she was down at the big house. Uh, Angelique, nice to talk with you. I, I thought, you know, there was some 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 issues with the offensive line. Got a couple of guys out, banged up, had to 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 shake things up along the line. But I thought as the game wore on, I thought early they were still trying to find their their moorings a little bit. But as the game went on, they got better even without their starting five in place. Oh, I I think you're right, and I, and I that goes for everybody, even uh, even Kate McNamara, who I think had a had a pretty rough start there. Um, but with the offensive line, I mean, you know, Ryan Hayes didn't play. That was a really late scratch, and and then they moved um, uh, Carson Barnhart in there, who had been competing at right tackle with Trent A. Jones and was really considered their sixth lineman. And he gets hurt. He hurts his ankle. Then they had to do some shifting and, and move to left guard, Trevor Keegan, over to left tackle. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not a position he's ever played in college. So they were really um, – the left side was tough for them on the offensive line. But you're right. They got it together. And um, and your point about the receivers, you're you're right. They did spread the ball around, and that's what these games are for. You get a lot of people on the field. You get a lot of of um, experience for these younger guys, and that and that's what it was. I guess I wanted to see more. I always wonder why they have to be so vanilla and uh, in these kind of games. I kind of feel like well, why not put put out what you have and and work on it. 
but and maybe they'll do that against Hawaii. But but I think your assessment is correct. You know, they they got they they moved the ball around, and and no, there is no identity yet. I don't think on this offense of this offense. You know, you brought up Cade, and and uh, unfortunately for for Cade and JJ, the storyline really uh, early on in this season is going to be those two guys. Mm-hmm. And and after Harbaugh came out a couple of weeks ago and said, "Look, Cade's going to start game one, JJ will start game two, and hopefully we'll have answers by game three. I think with that kind of pressure, and then we heard Cade yesterday uh, after the game say, "Yeah, I was surprised. I, I didn't know this was coming." I'm paraphrasing. But mm-hmm. uh, it's weird. It's different. Uh, it's not something we expected. I have thought I had my best camp uh, coming off a Big Ten championship season, playoff appearance, the whole deal. Um, I, I thought I was the guy. Um, and, and and I don't know whether or not truly Harbaugh thinks he is or isn't or how much he's really playing in, uh, is really playing into these first couple of weeks. But Cade really looked just kind of vanilla. He, he looked okay. I, he didn't look great. He didn't look particularly sharp, um, but JJ came in, gave you a, a shot in the arm, um, and then I think that kind of only hypes up further his start next week against Hawaii. Where do you think those two guys stand uh, on on the depth chart? I suppose, but really in Harbaugh's mind. Oh, I, I think McCarthy is is one in, in Jim Harbaugh's mind, and um, I don't know if you mentioned this. I didn't hear. Don't forget, Cade was voted a captain too by yes. his teammates. You're right. And and I think that was another thing that Cade carried into this season, thinking that not that he thought that's going to ensure that he's the starter, but I think that was something that he felt was very important and, and another asset of his. And but I do think I, I I mean it just feels like everything is pointing JJ's direction. Um you, you know, he's gonna get the Hawaii game, it's a primetime game, it's a really bad defense. I would say Hawaii's worse than Colorado State. Hawaii is worse. And, you know, I think it, it's it's going to be a perfect time for, for J.J. to shine. And, and he did when he came in. I mean, he definitely sparked the offense. He definitely takes them to a different level. And that's not – this is not to, to degrade Cade's performance. Cade is Cade. Cade plays his game differently than, than J.J. does. But who is the guy who's going to give them – the best options and the best opportunities going forward as the season, as the teams get tougher going into the big 10. And, and I just feel like, you know, Jim, Jim sees the future in, in, in JJ. And, you know, if he thought Cade was the guy, he would have, he would have announced it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's putting this out there. I, I don't think it's for public, you know, for the public to see, I, I think it's partly that, but it's, it's to, to have them, both have this opportunity to take the reins and see what they do. And, and Cade looked tight at the start of the game and, uh, and JJ didn't, but that's, you know, Cade didn't look tight when he came off the bench in 2020 and, and saved right. the day at Rutgers. Uh, so maybe it's a little different field. So Cade, I expect him to play next week. I had asked Harbaugh about that last Monday, if the non-starter, the backup will come in and play. And he said, yes. And obviously you saw JJ I expect to be Cade next week. But but I think it's just uh, I mean it, I think it's just looking almost too obvious that that this is JJ's job to to lose now. It, it's just so reminiscent of Drew Henson and 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 Tom Brady, um, where where it, it almost feels like um, there is a there is a, some sort of role for both of these guys. We saw it a lot last year where JJ had specific packages tailored to him, whether it was design quarterback runs or, or certain 
um, option plays, whatever. Um, but but it felt like there was a, a place for both of them on the roster, and they were able to to coexist um, in a in a productive way. This year, after the success Cade had um, last year in in bringing this team, and and really Cade really brought this team a Big Ten title, brought him a win versus Ohio State, got him to the playoff. Didn't look good, but it was against Georgia, um, and so it, it just felt like they could coexist last year. This year, it feels like I don't I don't know that I have that same vibe this year because Cade certainly has a different swagger to him. Do you feel like they can coexist? I you know it's going to be tough. I mean, it was different because JJ was the freshman last year coming in, and and Cade had had a little bit of of experience having that Rutgers game. Then he was named the starter the next week, and and obviously got hurt in that game. So it wasn't like he had a ton of, of starting experience, but he had some, and, and he'd been in the system. And uh, But no, I, it's, it's different. It, it is completely a different vibe, not even just Cade's vibe, just everything's different, feels different. And um, But look, you know, Chris, the one thing about J.J. is the kid needs to learn how to slide, too. I mean, he puts himself <laughs> out there. I mean, he takes yes. hits, and and with that in mind, and, and, you know, God forbid anybody gets hurt, but you do need a Cade McNamara, an experienced guy, ready to go if, if you know, if something like that happens. So, you know, it's, I think it's going to be really, if, if this is the, the situation and, and Jim goes with, with JJ after this Hawaii game, then they have to find a way to make sure Cade stays in it, you know, and, and I would, you know, the guy's pride, he prides himself on being a very good leader. He was voted a captain. So it's going to be something he has to to figure out how to stay, how to stay in it for his team, to be available when he's called on. But it's um, it's definitely going to have a very different complexion this season if JJ, as I suspect, is is the the starter going forward. Um, I I I really liked kind of what I saw out of the the rushing game. Um, I, I think that when you look at the stats. 13 carries for Blake, 76 yards. Donovan had 12 carries for 64 yards. So it tells you that they weren't just one big, you know, gash of a run. Um, they were averaging almost six yards, five and a half yards a carry. Um, it, how do you think that differs from the tandem that we had last year with Haskins? And and what role do you see uh, Edwards playing this year? What where Where does he fill in? Well, I mean, yeah, they're they are the one-two punch, and it is different. It's not thunder and lightning, as as they called themselves last last year, Haskins and, and Corum. Um, he, he sort of joked that it's lightning and lightning, but he did add twelve pounds. I think he wants to prove he's a little more physical. Uh, you know, I think they needed to, and again, it was a first game, break more tackles, and that's something I, I think that they'll work on. And obviously, the offensive line left side was a little different. Um, but, you know, I think Donovan is, he's so versatile and, and gives them that ability, you know, it, he, he, you know, they saw what he did in Maryland last year, catching out of the backfield and, and he's got jets too. And, and so does Blake, obviously. So I think that they're going to be really nice, nice duo. And I think you saw CJ Stokes come in the freshman mm -hmm. and, and he's a guy who I think is, he's going to be, as he gets, as he gets older in the system. Um, he's, he's going to be a physical guy. And, and, you know, I think that this is going to prepare him for next year, obviously with he and Donovan kind of taking over things, but, but first things first game two coming up, I'm already looking ahead at 2023. I should not do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I think he's a guy who's, you know, I think CJ Stokes is someone to really watch because I, I he's, yeah. he's got the right approach, the right 
the right um you just get the right stuff i think but i think it's be kind of neat to see how blake and 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 donovan do this year because i think they're both super talented both have a lot to, that they want to prove and um they're not there's not there's no hassan haskins uh right. you know I, he was on the sideline yesterday i wonder if they you know maybe they could have suited him up and slipped him in there slipped him um, in but, no doubt <laughs> but um but yeah i think i think they're going to be just fine with those two yeah, I, I and I thought defensively, you know, Mike Sandra still looked like a competent cornerback. Uh, he looked mm-hmm. like somebody who wasn't lost and 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 you know trying to find his way. Um, I thought DJ, G, DJ Turner had a, a pretty good game, and then in, in, inside, you know, Mazzy Smith and and Mike Morris, I thought made themselves available to make big plays. And then you had the transfer Ayabi Oma, who who again was around the football and made a couple of big plays too. It's going to be hard to fill that gap of Hutchinson and Ajabo from last year, but it felt like at least they were laying the groundwork for some of the the talent they that they have uh, up front. Exactly right. And and again, I, I you know, I think I think you know and most people know you just don't you 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 look at this with a grain of salt. I mean, Colorado State was not very good. And they're probably going to have similar success against Hawaii next week. But so you 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 really measure it against your talent and you know whatever. But they did what they're supposed to do against a team like that, and they did swarm and and they did get what seven sacks, eleven tackles for yeah. loss. They had an interception. That was something Steve Klingscale, uh, co-defense coordinator and defensive backs coach, was was really pounding his fist about this year. They've got to generate more more mm-hmm. turnovers. So they got one. They got the. Uh, they got the uh, fumble return for for a score, yep. and so I think you know they were really on their toes. They were seemed like they were on their game. They stayed interested. They rotated in a lot, and um, you know I think that the one thing that Mike Morris said after the game is is you know they kept hearing everybody saying, well, how are they going to replace Aiden and, and Ajabo? And not that they resented it, but they just sort of like, okay, yeah, there's some pretty good guys here, and they they've got the chip on the shoulder, and. Um, you know, I think that was effective for them last year, and I think they're going to maintain that. And um, it'll be, you know, going forward against better teams at some point, you know, seeing Michigan State down the road, that's where you're going to really see how good this defense is. But I think it's been very smooth transition with Jesse Minner, and, and it seems like the players really like playing for him. They said he's a little more laid back in a sense than Mike McDonald, but, um, you know, it's the same scheme and, and the same mm-hmm. approach, so they all have a pretty good handle of it. But you're right about um, – uh, the grand the graduate transfer in Oma. I mean, he he made his presence felt immediately in the first yep. play. So he's gonna he's a good addition. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Angelique Shengalis, always appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. I'm sorry for stealing Thank some you. time from you. Oh no no no, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Angelique Shengalis over at the Detroit News. I'm up against it. Got to take a break. More next right here on Sports Run. Um, have you, uh, Jace? Have you seen the new yeah. Manti Teo doc on Netflix? I have not yet. No. Mm-mm. Um, it's why I have to borrow somebody's account. Okay. Uh, Danielle will provide that. Uh, Danielle, you've, you've seen it, right? Did you like it? I mean, obviously I wouldn't have brought it up to you if I didn't like it. I loved it. I didn't like it. I loved it. It's wild, right? Like, do you remember, do you remember any of that? I mean, you're, you're not a huge sports fan, so. I mean, like, do you remember this when it was going down in real time? No, I don't remember at all. Like, I, re- I think I remember, like, hearing about it but not caring. It it was like I was, sure. like, what, I was 20 years old? I don't care about sports. Right. 
So, like, you know, it was funny because I started watching this thing, and I feel like I remember it differently. Like, I remembered it like he was making it up. Like, everything was just a fabrication of his. But this, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil too much. But it's a really good, like, kind of behind-the-scenes look of what was going on. And, and I, you know, I guess it's up to you whether or not you believe him or not, but he was a heavy participant, Manti Teo, uh, in this doc. Um, and, um, it was just really interesting to kind of see the backstory of what happened. I still don't know how you are a star football player at the university of Notre Dame. Um, and you have this online girlfriend and have never met her, have never, literally haven't seen her. And you just think like you're in love. And I just, it, it's a weird thing to me. And, and we, and, we and talked the, about it. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was just going to say one of the things he mentioned in the documentary is like, this was really before, like we knew what catfishing was. Right. So like, he didn't think that this was possible that like somebody was going to fake being somebody else. Right, that's what I was just going to say. The the television show, because I, I think we were talking about it in the studio earlier, yeah. earlier this week. The show came out maybe a little bit after this. Like six happened. months after it happened. Yeah, right. So the world didn't really know about catfishing. No. Yet. So when we heard about this Mante Tail thing, you're like, what in the world? This yeah. is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> it was just why. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. Because, uh, again, Manti Teo was up for the Heisman Trophy. Like, this was one of the best players in college football. And and there was, like, this aura around him because he's like, yeah, my girlfriend died, and then my grandma died, and I'm going to, you know, give, give it one for the Gipper kind of deal. And, like, everybody rallied around Mant- Manti Teo and became like this, he became like this, like, adopted figure uh in the in the in the sports landscape it was just a it's a crazy documentary you got to see it it's like two uh episodes it's like a two-parter and i don't know it's like what an hour each danielle something like that it's like an hour it's not bad i gotta jump on that this week you you can really rip through them pretty quick all right i want to go real quick uh give you a couple of thoughts on some of the games around college football just give me a couple of the big games uh, in the top 25 well the top 25 uh the the big one was last night ohio state beat notre dame that was number two ohio state 21 number five notre dame 10 the game i was really into uh around the same time going on florida held off number seven utah 29 26 that was a late interception uh to steal that one for florida and uh well just a couple other teams lost number 23 cincinnati lost um not too many more close ones uh, in the top 25. Of course, Alabama, number one, uh, 55 nothing over Utah State. I mean, you know, it was Georgia, it was, I think, put an indelible, uh, uh, just like footprint on the chest of Oregon. They sure I mean, did. like, I have ne- that was one of the most lopsided top 10 matchups. I, or I guess top 15. I think Oregon was ranked 11th. 11. But that yeah. was one of the most, uh, uh, like, topsy turvy wild, just one-sided games I have ever seen. And I think Stetson Bennett uh, heard the rumors or, or heard the chatter in the offseason that he wasn't a very good quarterback um, because right. he, he went absolutely 
bonkers. 25 for 31, 380 yards, two touchdowns. Just crazy. Also, that Notre Dame game, you know, Notre Dame spent the offseason listening to how soft they were. Everybody yeah. said that they're soft. I mean, and Michigan absolutely bullied them in their last game of, of the regular season. Bullied them. Um, and Ohio State spent the offseason hearing it and listening to it. And that team looks like a very tough team. Very tough yep. team. Um, they're going to be hard I to agree. beat uh, going forward. Hey, real quick, uh, got to get some thoughts in on the Lions. Jason, over under on wins this year, six and a half. What are you taking? I'm going to, ooh, I'm going to take the over at seven. I agree. You Do they lose week one? Ford Field, Dan Campbell. Yes. I agree. All right, that's going to do it for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's going to do it for us. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Labor Day weekend. Uh, Catch you next Sunday right here on Sports Wrap. See you then.